to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 170, and today we are talking about books being released on August 7th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow cat mom, Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Hi! Uh, Sorry about my um, stuffiness. I'm having lots of issues here in, in mosquito land. I'm terribly allergic this year somehow and it's just it's no fun so it's bad news bears if, if only <laughs> your cats could hunt down and destroy all of the mosquitoes i know i'm t- i'm like definitely afraid that they're going to get near the cats like get in the house and get them i like the neighbors must think i'm insane or maybe not because the there's so many of them right now like i run to the car like waving my arms around like stay off me stay off me you know they're probably just like, oh, it's just her. <laughs> or, or, you know, we all live in Maine. We all are experiencing the same thing. They're really bad this year. You should get, like, one of those beekeeper suits. Yes. And just wear it all the time. I know. Too bad it's 95 degrees right now. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, but I feel like we haven't recorded it forever. I don't know why that is, but yeah, it feels like it's been a long time. Well, I know. I always miss you. All the time. I I miss you too. Yeah. Yeah. And I miss talking about the cats. Yes. And my grave garden. <laughs> yes. How's that doing? Well, my hollyhocks got a mold because it is also oh, no. very wet and hot here. And it turns out that if it's too wet and hot, the hollyhocks can get this thing called rust. That's actually a fungus that looks like, like alien babies are going to erupt from the plant. Um, maybe that's what's wrong with me. Maybe, maybe. It's very <laughs> disturbing. It's very disturbing. I had to chop down a lot of my hollyhock, which made me sad. Oh. Uh, yeah. But otherwise, the plants are good. Nature is weird. Nature is the weirdest. <laughs> Let me tell you about something that has nothing to do with nature. Okay. My first pick. It is Our House by Louise Candlish. This is the perfect beach read. It's like... Great for just relaxing. Maybe if you need a palate cleanser, like you're reading lots of stuff that you're like, I'm not enjoying this. Like this is so fast. It's a quick read. It's really fun. It's about a woman named Fiona. It takes place in England. Uh, She comes home one day and she was on a trip. She was supposed to be away on this sort of like romantic getaway with like first getaway with her boyfriend. And she needs to come home to get something. So she's returning to her house. It's sort of unexpected. And she's looking and she's like... You know, gee, it kind of looks like there are people moving into my house. There are movers, and there's a truck, and she lives in this big, enormous, gorgeous house in this very rich neighborhood. Uh, She and her now-estranged husband uh, spent a lot of money on this house. They've lived in it a very long time. It's her pride and joy, besides her two young boys. Um, And she she loves this house. And all the houses sort of look the same, so she's like, I must be mistaken, you know, let me look again. It must be someone else's house that I'm just seeing things. And as she gets closer, she realizes they are, are men with a moving truck. They're moving into her house. Mm. So she's she's thinking, you know, she's thinking like, they uh, they must be moving into the wrong house. Uh, maybe my house is being burgled. There's been some crime in the neighborhood lately. Um, this is obviously some kind of crazy mistake. And she goes and there's a woman in the house and, and she says, you know, what are you doing there? And the woman tells her, you know, we bought this house. We're moving in. And she's like... <sighs> No, this is my house. Like, where's the hidden camera? Like, what is this joke? And as the story unfolds, it turns out that these people did indeed buy her house. They told her that 
she, but obviously not her, or maybe it was her, and her husband sold them this house. Um, it turns out that her husband, uh, they split up, and they have been doing something called bird's nest custody. So they each take turns living in the house in different parts of, of the week so that the boys kind of have a somewhat normal routine still, even though they're splitting up. So when she's not in the large house, she lives in this little apartment that they're renting, and then he, her husband Bram, or I should say a strange husband, goes there. So she's like, okay, Bram is going to be able to solve this for me. So she calls his phone, and it says that his phone has been disconnected. She calls the school to check on the children, and it says that he has taken them out of school for the day. So now she's starting to freak out. Mm -hmm. So as the book goes along, it's in three different narratives. There's the story as this crime unfolds, like, or the question about the house, you know, like, what's going on? Who sold this house? How did this happen? What kind of scam is this? Where's her husband? Where's the kids? There's also the Victim podcast. It's called The Victim, and Fiona is a guest on that, and she's looking back on what happened, you know, telling her story while, like, each each chapter that has a section of this podcast, you know, like, you see the commenters, like, after being like, I think this woman is full of it, and I think this woman deserves everything she gets, or, you know, this poor woman. Like, you get to see, like, all the different things, like, internet people would say, you know, when they're listening to something. And then you also get Bram's story. He talks about what was going on in his life, what is going on in his life now, like, what happened. So it's, like, the perfect house that housed an imperfect marriage. We learn about the cause of their separation and the secrets that Bram has been keeping. And there are a lot of them. It's just, it's a page-turner. It's really fun. It kept me turning the pages. I read it in one sitting. You know, it's it's one of those, like, over-the-top, you know, thrillers. Like, the one situation is not is pretty implausible, you know, like this whole, like, selling the house out from underneath somebody, you need everything to work, you know, and there are several sort of, like, plot lines like that, so it is a little over the top, but, like I said, it's, it's great for the beach, and I thought it was lots of fun, so again, it's called Our House, and it's by Louise Candlish. That does sound super fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of books that are super fun and super weird... My first pick for this week is Temper by Nikki Drayden, who is the author of uh, Prey of Gods, which some of you might remember. Super, super good. Also really wacky um, science fantasy. And this book is just banana pants. Like It's really intense and different and strange, and it's really hard to describe, but I'm going to do my best. Um, it takes place in a sort of alternate universe, Cape Town, South Africa, where like co colonialism kind of didn't happen, but also it's like a fantasy-esque world. So everybody's a twin, like everybody has a twin, and you can't get too far away from your twin, or it's like literally painful for you. Um, and on top of that, there is sort of this, it's like a religion, but it's also like a supernatural element to the life in that when you're a kid, the there are seven vices and seven virtues and you get they get divided up between the two twins. And sometimes they are in different proportions. Um, but the two twins that we're following, well, the twins, not two twins, the twins that we're following, Aubin and Kasim, have a really uneven distribution of vice and virtue. Aubin has six vices and one virtue, and his brother, Kasim, has six virtues and one vice. So, like, clearly, Kasim is, like, 
the good twin. Um, and Avin is the bad twin. And they're teenagers, and Avin has kind of, like, embraced this. He's just like, whatever, the deck is stacked against me. Like, I'm just going to be the bad twin because that's who I am. And um, so he kind of lives into his, you know, assigned vices. Um, but nothing, like, too extreme, just, like, you know, teenage bad boy kind of stuff. And then he starts hearing voices and... Perhaps he has been possessed by, like, the ultimate evil and, like, starts having, like, bloodlust and, like, sneaking out at night and, like, trying to figure out, like, what the heck is going on with him. Um, and things get even weirder after that. Like, that's all in the first, like, I don't know, couple chapters. And then things, like, really go off the rails. Um, and it is so complicated which is amazing to me because this is like a standalone book. It's 400 pages. It's not even like, you know, like 800 pages long, but it feels like there's so much packed into here. The world building is really complicated. There's also these sort of underground secret societies and um, they like, there's all of this politics and there's these, you know, you kind of see how like the distribution of vices and virtues changes what jobs a twin can get or what their lives are like or how much money they make and all of these different things and and then there's all of these big personalities on the page like all of the characters have really interesting and different personalities and and everybody is kind of terrible <laughs> like you think you kind of know who's like the good guy and who's the bad guy and then everything just kind of gets exploded like you don't know anything it turns out and I kept changing my mind about how I felt about certain twins and like not just the the Abin and Kasim but there's lots of other people in this book as well um so Nikki Drayton is doing a lot here like so much it's even more bonkers than Prey of Gods which I did not think was possible but like she just keeps upping the ante and I'm really into it so like this is a book for people who like Chani Mievel and Jeff Vandermeer and Charlie Jane Anders where it's like it's some science it's some fantasy there's some horror in here there's a lot of like really like crude funny body humor stuff um like as teenage boys obviously uh I mean it's just but there's also oh I should have trigger word warning this at the beginning even though I'm not going to talk about it there's also a sexual assault in here and she is taking on things like you know racism and class and 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 how society divides people up into haves and have-nots. So, like, there's a lot of meat to it, as well as these sort of, you know, crazy supernatural trappings. So, it, it's just, I mean, like I said, it's really hard to describe if you like like having your brain like shaken around a lot <laughs> and you like anti-hero stories, I think it is definitely worth picking up. And I just don't even know what to expect next from her. Like The Prey of Gods and Temper are two very different books, but the, she clearly has a huge imagination and like is not afraid to push the limits of science fiction and fantasy. So I'm really excited for just her to just keep writing and giving me all of the weird books. Um, so again, that's Temper by Nikki Drayton. Fantastic. Yes, yes. Should I tell you about our first sponsor? Yes, please. Okay. 
So it is us. It's Book Riot Insiders. Hooray. Yay. Um, you can bag a bunch of bookish perks with a 14-day free trial of Book Riot Insiders. If you sign up for a monthly or yearly novel subscription, the first 14 days are free. There's no coupon code or anything. You just go to bookriot.com insiders and sign up for a novel and bam, those 14 days are yours. Um, and you can put on your wish list uh, upcoming releases that you're dying to read. Liberty curates the new release index, which has all of the upcoming releases on it. All the ones that we think are interesting anyway. Because um, all of them would be too much. And there are... True. All, there'd just be way too much. I mean, there's already a lot. Um, you can also listen to exclusive podcasts. There's special newsletters. There's special monthly drawings for swag. There's all kinds of good stuff. So you should go to bookriot.com insiders to find out more and get all of your bookish perks. I like to scroll through the calendar like two or three times a day because yeah. there's just so many different colors on all the covers and I just find it very relaxing <laughs> and then I'll be like I made this you did <laughs> you do such a good job well I didn't actually make it make it like that falls to you know our awesome people behind the scenes but it's fun to look at all the colors that I put in there so it's fun. Speaking of beautiful covers, mm -hmm. this one, my next pick, has an amazing one. It's called If You Leave Me. It's by Crystal Hannah Kim. It's about, or I should say it starts with two teenagers who are childhood friends and have grown to become lovers. They are in love. It takes place uh, during the Civil War in Korea. The communist-backed Northern Army has invaded South Korea, and like most civilians, they and their families have fled to the coast. Himi lives with her mother and her brother, who is very ill. Uh, their father is dead. Um, things are very dire for a lot of people. Like They know that they feel lucky that their great uncle has passed away so they can live in the shack that he was in. You know, like they have more than most. Um, and the, she sneaks out at night uh, to meet with um, Kyung Wan who is her childhood friend, but like I said, you know, they've grown to love each other. Uh, and he, they're talking about the war and what's going to happen, and, you know, should he enlist or is he going to be drafted? And it turns out that uh, Kyung Wan has an older, wealthier cousin named Jaisu, who has his eye on Himi. And he wants to marry her, and he wants to marry her before he goes off to fight. He's going to be a soldier uh, during the war. So Himi has choices. You know, she could stay with Kyung Wan, you know, who she loves, or, you know, she has a family to take care of. You know, her mother is, you know, trying really hard, and her brother is very sick, and Jaisoo has a lot of money. So she decides that she will indeed marry him over the man she loves. Um, they get married, they have children, and you you know you know that she did what she felt she needed to do for her family. She put her family first, and it's told in five different narratives. It's like her and the two men in her life, and then also her brother tells a story, and then her daughter later on. Because it goes on through the years, you see how her decision. Um, if you can call it a decision, women didn't really have many options, you know, back then. Uh, you can see how it affects her later in life and then the people in her life. And, you know, King Wan never stops loving her. Um, you know, and now he's like her brother-in-law. Uh, so it's, it's very um, beautiful and sad. 
I want to get this into everyone's hands. It's so fantastic. Um, there's not a lot of fiction in English about the Korean War from this perspective, first of all. So it was fascinating to read. You know, I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Kind of like when I was reading Pachinko, like I did not know any of this stuff. Um, it was it was really enlightening. And the writing is incredible. Like her descriptions of characters and places and, and even food are just beautiful. And it's just, it ultimately, it's a story about family and happiness and, you know, motherhood and sacrifice. And I just, I loved it. So again, it's called If You Leave Me. It's by Crystal Hannah Kim. I also have a Korean novel for my pick, my next pick. Except, Good job. Yeah, unintentional theme. Um, but mine is historical fiction. It is The Court Dancer by Kyung Suk Shin. And she is the author of the book Please Look After Mom that I've recommended a ton of times on Get Booked because I love it so much. And that is more of a contemporary novel. So it was interesting to me to pick up a historical novel by her. And this one, I'm not done with it yet. I'm halfway through, but I'm really loving it. She is such a good writer, and it's such an interesting look at a time that I don't know much about. So it takes place in, well, partly in Korea and partly in France around the turn of the century, like late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and Korea is just starting to sort of allow more ins outsiders into Korea. Um, they're sending, you know, diplomatic like embassy people and um, there's also some tension between the Japanese and Chinese and so when this French diplomat arrives he's sort of trying to figure out the lay of the land like you know being a westerner in an eastern court and you know trying to figure out like who's got the power and what he needs to do and also make a good impression on um, the emperor of Korea and he falls in love like literally on site with a court dancer, as you might have guessed from the title, whose name is Yi Jin. And, um, and for various reasons, this is allowed to become a thing. Um, and it is a very political story. It is a look at like the Joseon dynasty, um, the court at the, at the end of its reign. So that, cause that ended in, I want to say 1910. Um, and all of this stuff I've like looked up since starting the book. Cause I'm just like, I don't know anything about this time period. I don't know anything about Korea basically before the Korean War. Like I know a little bit about Korea during the war, but like not much aside from that. Um, and so it's really interesting. And you're getting both the French diplomat's point of view and Yijin's point of view. And that's really wonderful because she, like you see her childhood and like how she came to court in the first place. And she, in the meantime, has lived this really, she's had this childhood where she was exposed to a French priest at a young age. So she learned French that way, and she has this really close relationship with a young man named, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Yan, Yan, I don't know how to say it, but um, he, she has a lot of really intense personal relationships that are like limited by her position at court. Um, and then, of course, there's this French diplomat who shows up and like wants to, you know, take her to France. Um, and so you're seeing this really interesting transitional moment in Korea's history, and you're also seeing this woman's life and like how it unfolds in a way she never 
could have guessed um, when she was younger. And the rhythms of the prose are really different to me than a lot of the Western, like, authored historical fiction that I read. And I, I quite like it. Um, but it's taking, like, it's, it, it's, it's just a different reading experience. And that is also really interesting to me. So I like, I'm just really, I'm so engrossed in this book. I'm kind of taking it a little bit slower than I would normally read, um, both because the prose is a little bit differently organized and because I just want to soak up all of these details. So that's The Court Dancer by Kyung Suk Shin. All right. I feel like I've been excited to talk about this book for months. <laughs> it's very possible that I have. It is The Third Hotel by Laura Vandenberg. Um, if you've been listening to the show at all, you know that we are big, big fans here. We love her short stories. She's just so fantastic. This one is about a woman named Claire. She works in elevator technologies, uh, and she's traveling to Havana, Cuba for a film festival that is going on there. Um, her husband was actually supposed to attend, but he was killed in an accident five weeks before she goes to Cuba. Um, he was a professor of film, and horror movies were his favorite, like his expertise. And so the first Cuban horror movie is being screened at this film festival, which is like a big deal. It was a huge deal to him. He wanted to see it, so she is going uh, to check it out herself. She's also, she's grieving. Her Like I said, her husband only died five weeks before. Uh, she's sort of coming apart a little. She drinks too much, you know, the first night that she's there. Um, she gets a little too nervous to attend uh, one of the events and, like, gets really scared and goes back to her hotel. Uh, the next day, she decides she's going to try and join the festival again. She's walking around. She sees, uh, outside a museum, her husband, Richard. He's standing, looking up at this museum. Uh, he's not wearing an outfit that she's familiar with, but she's 100% sure that it's definitely him. Uh, she yells out to him. He runs inside. She follows him through the museum. He gets away on a scooter. Um, it's it's very it's very strange. And over the course of the book, you kind of find out what he's doing there as more puzzles unfold. I don't. It's very small book, so I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to give it away. Um, but it's a possible ghost story set amid modern Havana. Um, it's this woman who is grieving in an unfamiliar city and uh, how much of her identity is tied up in being Richard's wife, or it was. Um, she talks a bit about how, like, when she goes on trips for her job, like I said, she does elevator technology, um, she likes to give different names when she goes away. Like, she tries to be other people when she's not at home. Um, the title of the book comes from the fact that she gave directions wrong to the cab drivers twice when she was trying to get to her hotel, so she finally ends up at the correct hotel on the third try. So that's the third hotel. Um, it just simmers, like, everything about the book. Like, you're reading it, but you realize, like, everything that she is writing just simmers with significance. Um, even, like, the hotels. Hotels play a big part in it. Um, and I don't use this adjective very often because I find it to be overused, but I find it perfect for this book. It is, indeed, a haunting novel. Mm. Um, if you like Daphne Dumar, it's perfect. You can read it in one sitting. Like I said, it's very small. And she's just such a fantastic writer. So again, it's called The Third Hotel, and it's by Laura Vandenberg. Nice. And that brings me to our next sponsor. It is Rothy's. 
Support for today's show comes from Rothy's, the shoes that are stylish, sustainable, and comfortable enough for everyday wear anywhere. Uh, I actually am wearing a pair of these right now as we speak. <laughs> like, it's like meta almost, maybe, or, you know, like, I'm wearing them IRL, um, which, is, which is also amazing because uh, I got them in the mail and they're black. So I put them somewhere, like, I was like, I need to set these away from the cats so I don't get cat hair all over them. <laughs> And I want to, you know, walk around in them the next day. So I put them in a very specific place, which I then forgot <laughs> where that was. And then it turns out that the cats knocked them down anyway. And I spent half the day trying to find my shoes. <laughs> they had fallen into my bag. So when I went to leave the house, I was like, hey, shoes. Awesome. So I now have them on. Crisis averted. <laughs> and they're super comfortable. So they make these everyday flats. Um, they come in three styles. There's the flat, the point, and the loafer. Um, they have all these different colors and patterns. Uh, they just added shoes for, for girls, like they have a junior size. And they're so soft. And here's why I'm surprised that they're so soft. Because they're made out of recycled plastic water bottles. I had no idea what that would feel like. Mm. You know, I, I, I was like, huh, water bottles, okay. I was expecting them to feel more like jellies, you yeah. know, like those shoes, like more plastic, but they don't. They're like this very soft canvas, and they fit perfectly on my feet. They're like very snug, and they're, like I said, they're very thin. They're flat, so, and you could lose them easily in your bag, apparently. Um, <laughs> and they're, but they're so, so soft, and you can machine wash them. Like, you can just toss them in the, in the washing machine. And also, I like to imagine, like, maybe somebody famous drank from one of these water bottles Ooh. that is now on my feet. That would be exciting. Like Idris Elba. Yes. Or Sam Rockwell. More like Sam Watterson, right? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, dear. So, uh, if you... I love them, and you can check them out yourself. Right now, they have an amazing deal for listeners. If you use the code all the books, you get free shipping, no minimum. So it's free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your Rothy's shoes when you go to Rothy's. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com and enter all the books. You get that. They're so comfortable. They're stylish. They're sustainable. And you get free shipping. So get yourself a pair today at Rothy's dot com. Use the promo code all the books and get it while the deal lasts. And then if you need to set them in a place where your cats can't get them, let me know where it is so that when you forget, I can remember. <laughs> so, we thank them for sponsoring. I have a tote bag that is made out of recycled water bottles. And it is also very soft and super sturdy. Like, that tote bag, I don't know if it will ever rip, honestly. Yeah, these are, I was really surprised. It's like, it's like a canvas, but it's, like, softer than a canvas. Yeah. Yeah, Rebecca got a pair, too. She got the hot pink ones. What? Um, yeah, and she's, you know, she's like, these are so perfect. They're going to be perfect for, like, traveling. Like, when you're going through the airport, you need something comfortable mm. and easy because you can just slip them on and off. So, they're cool. Interesting. All right, so my next pick, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and give myself this book. It is Girls Resist, A Guide to Activism, Leadership, and Starting a Revolution by Kaylin Ridge. And I got to tell you, I like I feel, especially now when there's so much um, so much going on in the political landscape and like I am really 
trying to be involved in a way that feels meaningful to me. But my political and activist education was so spotty. Like nobody, like, I don't know if it just was when I grew up or like me, my particular experience, but like nobody ever really talked to me about like what it meant to be engaged in politics or like be like an engaged citizen. And I like, I remember in college just feeling like there were all these things that I cared about, like the environment and like Bush was, you know, in office and all of this stuff. And I was just like, oh, I feel so strongly about some of this, but I don't know what to do. And I kind of gave up a little bit because I was just so overwhelmed. And if you've ever felt like that, like this book, you need to give it to teenagers and college students and yourself. Um, so it is an activism handbook, uh, specifically targeted at teen girls um, to talk to them about how to fight for change and social justice and equality. It is everything from like picking a cause to planning a protest to, you know, using social media in a smart way and finding, you know, like-minded people and being a good ally. Um, it, it's, it's intersectional. It deals with, you know, all kinds of different issues, including, not, you know, disability and racism and prejudice and sexism. And, you know, talks about like being an intersectional feminist and understanding like what the patriarchy is and how it affects everyone. Um, um, and I just am so impressed with it. It's really chatty. It's easy to understand. It's well organized. And it just has so much good basic knowledge about how to be an engaged person. And when you see something going on that you feel like you want to get involved in, like what that involvement could look like. And there's a lot of different options. And it's just, it has great illustrations. Like I, I really am so taken by this book and I feel so good that it exists in the world because I think books like this are just, they're hard to find. Like you can find feminist theory, obviously, and there's lots of great essay collections that are targeted at older women. But like, I haven't seen anything like this before personally. That's like targeted at a younger audience and like specifically tackles the things that girls need to know and like might want to know about how to deal with the political landscape. So I just think this is great. Um, and again, that's Girls Resist: A Guide to Activism, Leadership, and Starting a Revolution by Kaylin Rich. Fantastic. My last pick is actually sort of a pick for the first book in the series because I I can't stop talking about Murder it. Murderbot. I'm so in love. <gasps> Spoiler. Spoiler. I'm so in love with it. Um, this week, today, the third book in the Murderbot Diaries comes out. It is called Rogue Protocol. Martha Wells is their author. Uh, and I wanted, I sort of missed the boat. I didn't get to it the first one in time, like when it came out. Um, and I've read all of them now. There's a fourth one that comes out in October. I love them all. And I just wanted to mention it again because I think people might be a little confused by the title. I think that Murderbot is a little misleading. Um, it sort of sounds like a very violent, you know, sci-fi series. And there is most definitely violence, but it's kind of like a sci-fi situational comedy. They are so, so funny. Um, and the first book is called All Systems Red, and it starts on this planet. Uh, there is a sec unit, it's a security unit, that is assigned to a group that is uh, doing some digging on this planet. And basically what a sec unit does is protects its charges, like the, the company that it works for, you know, programs it, 
it's part robot, part organic matter. Um, they are wear these uniforms and these helmets, and somehow the SEC unit has hacked its its module. It is in control of itself now, but it hasn't told anybody that because why would you? Um, so it sort of pretends that like yeah, it's still doing its job, but really it just wants to hang out and it's like little bay pod and watch entertainment streams like it just watches like like feeds all day long of it. it's really into like a this sci-fi show um and it's very like sarcastic and it's very snarky and it's very funny and so you know things go wrong on this planet and it has to decide if it's going to protect these humans that it doesn't really have to because no one is controlling it um and i don't want to tell you like about any more of the story because it kind of involves what happens in the first book, but they're just so much fun. They're novellas. They're very short, so you can read them in one sitting. Um, but there's just so much humor, like when it's trying to appear human, like it has to take its helmet off, and it doesn't want to frighten the the humans around it, so it tries to like like learn what humans look like and what faces they make. And, and like I said, it's just a situational comedy. It's just funny all the time. There's this part in the second one where it's being attacked... Um, by this group of guys, and one guy rushes it with a knife, and so it throws the guy back at them, and, and it's like, you know, the second guy stabbed the first guy accidentally, or maybe it was on purpose, like, I don't know their history, like, maybe he, he did it, you know, <laughs> he didn't, he did it intentionally, but, like, they're just so great, and now there's talk of a novel, she's gonna be doing a novel about Murderbot, I want Murderbot movies, I want Murderbot t-shirts, I love Murderbot. So the third one out today is called Rogue Protocol, but if you've not read them, go and pick up All Systems Red Now. They're by Martha Wells. Totally agree. Those are so much fun. Um, and yeah, I also missed the boat on them when they first came out, but I am catching up. They're so mm-hmm. great. Uh, my last pick is a YA novel called Heretics Anonymous by Katie Henry. And I picked this up because I grew up um, sort of religious kind of, but then was not anymore. And um, this is about a boy named Michael who is an atheist and ends up going to a Catholic school. His family keeps moving around because of his dad's job. And he like gets like the most recent school in 10th grade that he gets sent to this really strict Catholic school. And so he goes in and he just immediately is like, oh, this is terrible. I have to wear this uniform and this tie and it's stupid and I don't even believe in any of this stuff. And like, how am I going to make any friends? Um, And then in one of the classes, this girl sort of like has a back and forth with a nun about a point of theology or whatever and he's like oh maybe I'm not the only person who feels this way like maybe there's somebody else like me so he makes friends with Lucy who's the girl in the class and it turns out that like not only is she religious but like she she's Catholic and wants like wishes some day that she could be a priest like she is like very dedicated to Catholicism but she also has a very progressive viewpoint about it and then she in she introduces Michael to these other kids that they're friends with and they call themselves heretics anonymous like the title um and like they're all sort of different like Avi is Jewish and he's also gay and Max um is like you know is a Unitarian and Eden like is a polytheistic pagan and they all have sort of something that makes them feel different from the rest of the kids in the school And so they, like, this club ends up becoming, like, they decide to start sort of 
pulling a little bit of pranks on the school. Like there's this um, quote unquote sex ed presentation that happens every year and the video is like terrible and full of misinformation. So they decide to annotate the video with like actual facts about the things that are being said on screen. And the pranks kind of unroll from there. And so it's like a little bit about that. Like it's very much like a story about a boy sort of figuring out like how to find his friends. And also he's in this really intense fight with his dad about being moved around all the time and so like he's just kind of has to understand like the story is about him trying to understand like that you know first of all that the world doesn't revolve around him and second of all like how to understand the other people around him even though he might not think that they have something in common um and I think the thing that really made me love this book so much is that it takes really seriously the idea that each of us has to find our own way to a meaningful faith and that that can look like a bunch of different things. Like it might not look like religion the way that other people might see it, but that doesn't mean that there's not a way to engage with your own beliefs and other people's beliefs in a really meaningful way. And like that's not a thing that I get to read about very often, particularly not, I don't remember any other, like if there are other books out there that do this, like please send them to me. Like I just, this is like my, my catnip for me. It's so interesting to me um, to think about. Um, I will say that if you are like a very woke person, uh, Michael's learning process might annoy you a little bit because he is like a white boy and the book very gently like kind of shows him like some of his assumptions and like some of his you know privilege um, and that can be annoying I think for people who are like oh my gosh like I don't need to read about another like white boy learning that the world doesn't revolve around him. But <laughs> if like me you're interested in these questions of faith and you're looking for like a sweet a, a YA that has a really sweet love story and also has a good family story. Like, this is definitely one that I think you could pick up. Um, so again, that's Heretics Anonymous by Katie Henry. I was excited to hear about it because I was planning on reading it. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, I thought, tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. Clearly, I really liked it. <laughs> awesome. Well, what are you going to read next? Well, I am on a little bit of a YA kick. I'm in the middle of Tempest and Slaughter by Tamara Pierce, which is like a continuation of all of the Tortal books. Um, and that is good. And then I'm really excited that Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse is waiting for me at the library like right now. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I just got a copy of We Cast a Shadow. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm a mess. It's We Cast a Shadow by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. It just came in the mail today. I saw a picture of it on Alexander Chi's Instagram, and the cover was amazing, and he was so excited about it. I was like, I want this book, and it appeared. It says it's a bold, provocative debut for fans of Get Out and Paul Beatty's The Sellout about a father who will do anything to protect his son, even if it means turning him white. Huh. That sounds intense. I'm ready to read this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it for today. Thank you to our sponsors of us, Book Riot Insiders. Go to bookriot.com slash insiders for a 14-day free trial and check out all the goodies. Go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com, and use the promo code ALLTHEBOOKS and get free shipping on your orders. 
Uh, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com if you want to tell us something, tell us about your shoes, tell us about your cats, tell us about books. We talk about books. Uh, you can find us online. I am on Twitter at Miss Liberty. You can find Jen on Tumblr at Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, Jen IRL.tumblr.com. And if you have a minute, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading. <laughs>